people when worship starts man we're just like cruising down the aisle we're like stepping on the way in you know like when people are married they come on into the reception hall and everyone stands there and they dance their way in on instagram you can find all the people the dance fails on the way in like we should be those kind of people why because the reality of what it means for humanity that god in christ could redeem the world to himself It's easy to think of going to church as just another activity, something to cross off of your weekly calendar. But when we have that attitude, we rob ourselves of the blessing God intends us to receive. And we cheat others by not being a blessing to them. Pastor Daniel will be teaching today about God's intent for the people in his family. You'll hear about your place in the body of Christ and your need to figure out where you fit in that body. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 12 as he begins his message, Join the Party. For each one of us, so much of our lives, our experiences are shaped by the way we were raised and the environments in which we were raised. So if you've been around Crossroads at all, you know I'm an all-Italian kid from New Jersey, which is really the New York metropolitan area. And so all of your preconceived ideas, if you're not Italian from the New York metropolitan area, all your preconceived ideas about Italians from New York is totally true. Those are my people, right? And so growing up, because there was, you know, so many family members and aunts, uncles, cousins, people later you find out they weren't really your family, but you thought that they were your family, and then all their family. And so we went to a lot of weddings on the East Coast. Now, you know, here in the Northwest, it's really cool because people get married, like, hey, man, we, you know, we got this barn, we're gonna get married in the barn, and it's, because it's beautiful here, you know, but like in New Jersey, where I was raised, it's so hot in the summer, then unless you get married on the beach, it was like super extravagant, where you spent like, you know, too much money on a super swanky country club, right? But there's nothing quite like a wedding with all the Italians there, because all of my uncles, these were all like these super Italian, like regal dudes, which they would all just kind of sit there and look around, you know, and they would talk, and they were all just very regal men, but there was always, invariably, in every wedding, there was this moment where it went from, like, the regal dudes are hanging out, talking and drinking espresso, to, like, it's time to party. And it always began with one song. You all know this song, because all of a sudden, be like, you guys know that one? Cool in the gang, celebrate. You guys know the song? Dude, all of a sudden, there's a party going on. And all of a sudden, all the Italian guys would be like, and then before you know it, like my uncle Sonny would be out there. He'd be like getting all crazy on the dance floor. And all the wives would be laughing. And then once one of the crazy uncles got up there, then they were all there. You know, and it's funny, my dad had this little dance where he'd go like, I don't even know what it was. He was like kind of making the pizza, but he was kind of chill, like, 
and once Tom Fusco started kind of rolling like that, then you're like, oh, here we go. And then before you know it, everyone was in it. But there's just something about that song, right? You guys all know the song. If you don't know the song, you should know the song. Back in the day, like there was the Beatles and then Cool and the Gang showed up. I mean, I'm a big fan of, you know, John and Paul and Ringo and George, but like there's the Beatles and there's Cool and the Gang. I mean, there's something about 70s funk and R&B. It's like you have Sly and the Family Stone. You went from the Who to like... There's a party going on right here, the lyrics go, a celebration to last throughout the years. You bring your what? Your good times, you guys know it, and the laughter too, because we going to celebrate your party with you. And it's like, for me, that's the moment in every wedding where it just starts. And the reason I bring this up is because, brothers and sisters, listen, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, there is a party going on. We have such tremendous reasons to be happy, to rejoice, simply because God says, I know you, I love you, and I am for you, and I will send my son on a rescue mission for you. And I remember what it was like when I first came to know Jesus. I remember when church would open up, I couldn't wait to be there. Because the fact that God was for me and not against me, the fact that I was beloved changed my life. I remember when I planted a church in the San Francisco Bay Area in Marin County. Speaking of cool, crazy Italian guys, there was a guy in the church who's so funny. His name was Gino Pasquale, right? Did he get more Italian than Gino Pasquale? So we used to call him Uncle Gino, you know what I mean? And Gino, he was like a newer believer. And Gino was literally, he was like five feet tall, and he would wear leather shoes with no socks in California, right? And so when the worship would start at church, Gino would be like in the lobby. And all of a sudden, Gino would start dancing down the aisle, coming into church. And I, I just watched him. And he was an Italian guy. So did he have a cool dance? Of course he did. No one else liked it. But it was his dance. Like it was his, it was his groove. And he would walk down the aisle. And I used to watch him do that. And I'd say, Gino, man, I love when you come into church. He's like, man, how can I not? Man, man. I'm saved. Like, my sins have been forgiven. And invariably, someone was like, you should stop that guy from dancing in church. It happened, right? And I'm like, no, actually, you should start dancing in church. Right? Because I'll be honest with you all. We live in a negative world. We live in a cynical age. And I believe that the people of God, I'm not saying that we should just be like Ren and Stimpy, happy, happy, joy, joy, because some hard stuff happens. But the reality is, is we should be the kind of people who have tremendous joy. We should be the kind of people when worship starts, man, we're just like cruising down the aisle. We're like stepping on the way in. You know, like when people are married, they come on into the reception hall and everyone stands there and they dance their way in on Instagram. You can find all the people, the dance fails on the way in. Like we should be those kind of people. Why? Because the reality of what it means for humanity that God in Christ could redeem the world to himself. It's so mind-blowing. And we should be the kind of people who live in such a way that we have such great joy in our salvation. And I bring all this up because as we're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit... So much of what we are learning is the fact that because of the finished work of Jesus, God's like, now once Jesus comes on a rescue mission, he dies on a cross and he rises from the grave and he ascends to heaven, he pours out his spirit. Before he did that, he said, listen, it's good that I'm going away because I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is like, listen, it's actually better for you to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit than for me to be here now. You read that and you're like, oh. 
Okay. That doesn't diminish the finished work of Jesus. It actually places it exactly where God wants it to be. That now that Jesus has died and he rose from the grave, he wants to pour out his spirit to indwell his people. And then so much of what God wants to do in each one of our lives, after we put our faith and trust in Jesus, is this work of the spirit of God to not only conform us to be like Jesus, but to glorify himself in our lives. And he uses not only the gifts of the spirit in our own lives, but he uses us as part of a family. And what's amazing is, is in an individualistic society like we live in, remember I said that we live in a negative world? We also live in an individualistic world, and I believe that those two things go together. The reason people are more negative today is because people are more isolated today. And don't get me wrong, I do technology like the next person, so I'm not like, oh man, technology is bad. But what I realize is that technological connection is not full. It's better than the alternative, which is no communication, but it doesn't have the full weight of it. Remember I told you about my uncles dancing at a wedding. Part of what makes those experiences so hysterical is the fact that they're all together. And they've been doing this dancing at weddings their whole lives together. In the same way, like, I love the new responding song, Celebrate, that we've been singing. If you've been checking that, man, like, it's on heavy rotation in my house. I walk in my house invariably, and the girls of my family, they'll have celebrate on, and they're all dancing around the living room. You know, I come in from work, and because the lyrics, celebrate, celebrate, rejoice for all God has done. Lift your voice, have a shout of praise, hallelujah, hallelujah, because our God saves, right? But they're doing that together. And so much of the Christian faith, you have your own relationship with Jesus, or depending on where you are today, you don't. But you have a personal relationship. Some of us are neglecting that. Some of us are really pushing into those relationships, just like in all of our relationships. All of our relationships, they take time and energy. We either push into them, or we're kind of letting them kind of just drown a little bit in atrophy. It's true with our families, with our close friends, coworkers. Relationships take effort. And within our own personal relationship, God has created all of us to not just have a personalized faith, but to really have a communal faith. It's a family. That's why here at Crosses we say that we're a family of faith. It's why as much as I love the internet campus that we have, and our ability to have people all over the globe. And if you're online, we're so happy that you're here. It's not ideal because our faith is meant to be that we're all together and then we all bring what we have. And as it relates to the work and the person of the Holy Spirit, we see this over and over and over again. And so I want to show you this again today. So if you brought your Bible with you, and I hope you did, open your Bible to Romans chapter 12. We're going to zone in on verses 3 to 8 today. So Romans chapter 12. So you brought your Bible with you. Open up to the book of Romans. Now, over this series on the gifts of the Spirit, we are slowly working through the main passages in the Bible about the gifts of the Spirit, leaving the book of Acts on the side, referencing back to it. I told you that the book of Ephesians, Paul does doctrine truth, and then he applies it. So I told you in Ephesians, chapters 1 to 3 is all doctrine, and then chapters 4 to 6 is the application of that. Right at the very, very beginning of the application, he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, what's amazing about the book of Romans, 
The book of Romans is 16 chapters. Chapters 1 to 11 are all what? Their doctrine. This is the truth about God. And then starting in chapter 12 to 16, it's like, how do we apply it? And you know what the very first thing the Apostle Paul talks about to the church in Rome? The gifts of the Spirit. And I never saw that before. I never saw them side by side say, in two of Paul's most important letters, when he goes to apply the truths of the finished work of Jesus to the life of the local church, in two of his most important letters, one of the first things he talks about is the gifts of the Spirit in operation within the people. Does that strike you as maybe important? What have I always told you? I said that when the Holy Spirit says something once, it's because it's important. When he's redundant, he says it more than once. It's because he knows we're what? We're thick-headed and we needed to hear it again. So this is important for us. Now, of course, Romans 12, verse 1 begins, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then he jumps right in. For I say... Through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another." See, what we learn here, really simply, is that we are all different. We're all different. Everybody has different things that they bring to the table. Through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So, For the people of God, the first step is to have a proper view of ourselves. And that proper view is what? A humble view of ourselves. Now, again, this is why I love the Bible so much. Being raised in this generation, you're never really taught that humility is a good thing unless you know Jesus. Because our culture is really driven on almost self-exaltation. Let me show you how great I am. We have puffed up resumes. He did some filing and he comes off like you organized the Pentagon or something. You know what I mean? We live in the age of airbrush photographs. And just everything is like a self-exaltation exercise. But then the Bible says that we should think of ourselves really in such a way that we look at ourselves and we have a sober view of ourselves. And I love that about our faith. Because I really think that in Christ, the person can be really honest about who they are. Because as a Christian, you don't have to pretend like you're perfect because your faith is predicated on the fact that you knew that you needed to be saved. So the cross reminds you like, hey, listen, you got some issues. Look at the person next to you and be like, you got issues. Go ahead, tell them. Uh, everyone loves this. You love it when I have you talk to each other in church. Okay, now look at the same person and say, I got more. 
Yeah. That's the truest thing we've said in church today, right there. You got issues, I got more, right? So we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to do it, but we have to think soberly about ourselves. And it means being level-headed about it. And then he says, for God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the what? Same function. That's why I get we're all different. If you're born again, you're a member of the body of Christ, but not all of us have the same function. And what that means is that not one of us has everything together, but we need one another because all the different members within the body of Christ have a function that they add to the work of what God is doing. Now, because we live in an individualistic culture, we have a tendency to want to gift project, which means my gift is the most important gift. It also shows our lack of humility. It shows our pride, but it's how we feel. How often, for those of you who are married, you know what this is like, you would have a great marriage if you were married to yourself. (laughs) Most arguments amongst married couples, or if you're in a committed dating relationship, it's really the fact that the person you're with is not like you. And if you were just like me, everything would work so perfectly. And I'm here to tell you, actually, for your, your sweetie, your significant other, they are in a relationship with you, and it isn't working so perfectly for them, <laughs> right? And so what we realize is that there needs to be an open-heartedness to our lives that says different people bring different things to the table. Me and my bride, Lynn, are great examples of this. I always like to joke that God loved me so much that he placed Lynn in my life and had us fall in love because I would definitely be dead right now if it wasn't for my wife. And I don't mean that in a figurative way. It's like I have always been, uh, you know how you're supposed to say ready, aim, fire? I'm like a fire, ready, aim kind of a person. I've always been like that, just kind of like a little bit, like just kind of things just happen fast and before I know it, I'm in the middle of something. And It's been both a beautiful part of my life and kind of a treacherous part of my life. (laughs) I'm the kind of person that's like, we go skydiving, and then I'm like, I jump, and I'm like, wait, are there parachutes in these backpacks? I grabbed a granola bar backpack, darn, you know? At least I could eat on the way down, you know? (laughs) And so my bride, Lynn, is much more grounded than I am. And the number of things, like, I'm just like, man, baby, thank you so much for being the counterbalance to who I am. You know, and she always says, well, Daniel, I wouldn't have done half the things that I've done if it wasn't for you, because you dragged me into these things. I don't even know how we got here, you know, and it's the beauty of that. But what's amazing is, is I say that, I also realize that there were times when I'm like, man, it'd be so much easier if she was more reckless or she's definitely going to be so much easier if Daniel was less reckless. But what we realize is that we're all different and we all bring different things to the table. Listen to how Paul talks to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 14. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. See, Paul's saying the exact same thing. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. And really what it reminds us is that in the work that God wants to do, 
in the beautiful party of redemption that God has for us, we actually need to do this together in community. We need to do this in relationship. We need to do this with all of the tension of different passions, different things that we care about. I always love to remind people in church because sometimes like for people who are committed to doing ministry locally versus people who are committed to doing ministry across the globe, people who are like, man, I'm really passionate about kids or students or, hey, old people are people too and they need ministry. And in church, it can almost be like competing factions. When I always like to remind people like God loves people and it all matters. And so rather than homogenizing it, we have to just realize that part of what God wants is he wants us all to be different because we don't all have the same function. Look at what it says, verse five. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually we're members of what? What does it say? Of one another. It says that we are individually members of one another. So we need to get comfortable being more uncomfortable with us as a fully engaged family. And this runs pretty roughshod over our culture, that our culture is moving more towards that I am an individual, I sit in front of my computer terminal, I put my headphones on, I put my VR goggles on, and I'm just going to experience the world this way. The Bible says actually real human flourishing comes from us being together, from us having different passions. Why? Because together with Jesus as our head, then we really become the body of Christ and we walk in the things that God has for us. That's why we always stay here, because Jesus is real. We're a family of faith who's fully engaged, seeking to transform our community and our world. Fully engaged for each one of us means different things because we're all different. But because we're all different, look at what it says in Romans chapter 12, picking up in verse 6, it says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And brothers and sisters, really what this means is that you and I, you have to use what you have. God invites each one of us in Jesus to use what we have. We each have gifts that differ according to the grace that was given to us. So no matter what that is, God is saying, I want you to use the things that I have placed in your life. Now, Again, see how different this is than the way we normally think, because we so often live in a day and age where like, if I had this, I would do that. Or I wish I had what so-and-so has, because then I could do this. And no, no, your job is to steward what God has placed in your life. Now, that idea of stewardship is important, because in the Bible, it talks about us as stewards. We have a tendency to think, like, I own this. But the Bible says we were bought at a price, and we're not our own. So a steward is somebody who, they don't own it, Somebody else owns it, but they get to broker it. And for the follower of Jesus, you, in a sense, own your own life. But really, if you're born again, Jesus has bought you at a price. And now you steward your life because Jesus is the owner. Jesus is Pastor Daniel said some things that definitely go against what you're going to hear in the culture these days. God's emphasis on the corporate group of Christians and the clear teaching of Scripture that God expects His people to join together, that's hard for some people to hear. 
The cool thing is to understand that God values everyone, which includes you. That's something to take to heart and to remember. Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue his teaching, Join the Party. He's going to talk more about the concept of the followers of Jesus being cells, if you will, of a body. You'll be encouraged to work on finding your place in this corporate entity, to take the concerns and passions that you have, and to see if that's something that God might want you to step out in and reach others with for His name. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Gifted next time. Until then, may God bless.